The second of the commandments is forbidding idolatry. Now here is a commandment that doesn't condemn you, right? Wrong. This command is more than just ignoring the worship of statues. In fact, we're guilty of it more than we realize. It's time to go the second mile in waving worship. This is Travis Agnew. Thank you for joining me for another edition of the Second Mile Podcast, where we seek to live out the words of Jesus from Matthew 5.41, where he says, if someone asks you to go one mile, go the second mile as well. Don't just do the bare minimum following Jesus. And that's what we want to do as we're looking at this summer series of going through this podcast episodes. We are unpacking the Ten Commandments and looking at these words that have been around for thousands of years and trying to figure out that they still hold relevancy for us today. And so what we've done is we've kind of looked at the big picture of the Ten Commandments we looked at first commandment last week, and now we're looking at the second commandment. And, and just as a way of just reminder, if you're just picking up with us uh, on this podcast, I want to tell you that once again, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, while Christ fulfilled the law and he died on the cross because we could not keep these commandments perfectly, we do realize that they were a standard put before us that we were unable to keep perfectly, but that doesn't mean it gives us a free pass to ignore them. So kind of the overarching statement of these series of episodes is this. The commandments are the rules we could not keep, yet it is a standard we must still seek. So even though we cannot keep them perfectly, even though we did not keep them perfectly and Jesus had to die on the cross because of such, that doesn't mean that it's still not the standard and the great just sort of a baseline for us to start with as what does it mean to follow the God of the Bible. And so as we look at this second commandment, this is all about idolatry. And so when I say uh, waving worship as the title of this episode, uh, what I mean by this is that waving something, when when you do that, when you wave something, you're giving up your right to something. And, and so when where I'm saying waving worship, that I want you to know this, that when it comes to the worship of God, you have to waive your personal rights as to how you think think it should be done. You don't have the right to tell the object of your worship how he ought to be worshiped. And this is what the second commandment is all about. So many people misunderstand this commandment and think, oh, this is the one about statues. Oh, check. I'm good. I don't have to worry about that one, right? I have no statues in my house that I have to concern myself with. Well, actually, it's something so much more. It's about uh, belittling God and reducing him to a form and to a substance of which he is not worthy. So if we're going to worship him, you don't have the right to tell the object of your worship how he ought to be worshiped. And this is the heart and the basis of the second command. And I'm telling you this, we are all more in danger of disobeying it than we possibly could ever have imagined. So before I even read the second commandment, I want to uh, help you understand something. Because honestly, most people, if, if you were to identify certain sins in the Bible and say, which commandment is that breaking? A lot of times, uh, commandment number one and commandment number two get very, very confused and kind of just sort of sync together in some way. Uh, because commandment number one is all about you shall have no other gods. And then the second commandment is don't make any carved image. Uh, and you go, well, isn't that a god? Isn't a statue? Isn't that some type of idol or something? Is that what this is about? Aren't both of them about idolatry? Yes and no. Let me explain the difference. So the first commandment says no other gods. The second commandment, the easy way for me to say this is 
don't make anything that looks like God, okay? Don't misrepresent God. Don't try to shrink him down into a little box of which you can contain, right? So if the first commandment is about worshiping the right God, the second commandment is about worshiping the right God in the right way. So if the first commandment is about worshiping the right God, the second commandment is about worshiping him in the right way. So for those who are trying to follow Jesus, the first milers might say it this way. Well, we know it's wrong to worship a statue, right? That is true. But the second milers will understand it's even more complex and deeper of a heart issue than you can think. If, if first milers would say it's wrong to worship a statue, second milers will say don't worship God in a wrong way. This is all about how we approach God, how we view God, how we behold him and treat him, especially in our lives and our uh, gatherings of worship, that we don't put him in a wrong way. So let me read what it comes from. Remember, it's back in Exodus chapter 20. And this commandment, the second one, starts in verse 4, where it says, You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. Now, this is the longest um, explanation of a commandment. Uh, the next, uh, really, this one in the Sabbath day are really the only ones that have this much commentary on it. And it's significant, and we want to unpack really what this is about. But once again, if the first commandment is about don't worship the wrong God, the second commandment is don't worship the right God in the wrong way. So this is replacing God uh, in the first commandment. The second commandment is about don't renovate God. Don't feel like that he needs some type of renovation, that you need to go in with your blueprints and change the way things look because the version that he has is not really working anymore. And so you need to adjust. You need to uh, attempt to make some alterations. That's not what this is about. So when we're waving worship, we're saying, I'm giving up my right to determine how I worship the God of all creation. I don't have the right to tell the object of my worship how he ought to be worshiped. And so when we look at this, we have to realize that in so many ways, what this um, sin is about is reducing God to a context of which we can handle. So there was an old song that I learned when I was a kid that said, I wish I had a little box to put my Jesus in. I'd take him out and hug his neck and put him back again. I think that's one of the worst songs I've ever heard in my life, right? Because it's all about like, hey, I'm going to put Jesus here. And I know what they were trying to teach kids. I'm not I'm not against the idea or, or the kind of nearness of it all. But I think what it was teaching maybe uh, when people weren't thinking about it this way is that somehow that we can put God in a box and we can kind of move him and use him in the way that we see fit versus the way that he says it should be. So we have to come and look at Scripture and say, how has God revealed himself to us? And then let us not attempt to reveal him in some other way because we are ignorant of it and we might be giving a misrepresentation of who he is. And, and so if we don't know certain aspects of what God has not revealed to us clearly or things he has said, hey, don't try to reveal this in a physical flesh and blood with your eyes kind of thing. Don't try to do this. Then we have to be careful of once again, you could be trying to worship the right God, but doing it in the wrong way when you tried to worship God on your own terms. The uh, most glaring example of this in the Old Testament, it goes all the way back to Exodus chapter 32. I guess, well, actually before that, so you're in the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20, and then they don't keep it uh, very well. 
very soon after this, right? So what's happening is Moses is actually receiving these Ten Commandments. And while he's there, the people are seeing the smoke and the fire, and they know something's going on, but they're also getting restless, okay? They're being impatient because God's not working on their timetable. They're ready to move on. They're ready to keep things going, and God's not operating as fast as what they would like to. And so what happens is is they say, hey, uh, they look at Aaron, the priest, and say, why don't you make us a God who can go before us? We don't know what's happened to Moses. We don't know what's going on here. Let's just keep moving forward. And so then all of a sudden Moses goes, or Aaron says, okay, we'll take off your gold. And um, and what happens is, this is what's so shocking, they took off all this gold that they had received from the Egyptians when, because of God's deliverance of them, people gave them this uh, jewelry to get them out of here. So they used the blessings of God and actually turned and worshiped uh, them. They worshiped the blessings instead of the giver. They, they worshiped the gift instead of the giver. And so what happens is, though, what's interesting is that he carves this uh, idol, uh, this this calf that's made out of gold, and they begin to worship. And what do the people say? They don't say. A lot of people think this is Baal or this is the name of some other god. In Exodus 32, they are very clear. They hold this thing up and say, this, this is the god. These are the gods that brought you up out of Egypt. They don't say this is another name of God. They make a representation of God. So why? They can handle it. And then all of a sudden, they also get involved in a whole lot of promiscuous stuff. And what are they trying to do? They're trying to reinvent God in the way that they want to. And so you may say, okay, well, good. I'm I'm, I'm complete fine here. I don't have to worry about this commandment, right? Because I don't do anything to try to represent God. And I want to get you to think about it for a second. Is there an image that you have in your life where you seek to represent God? Is there some place or something or some symbol or some situation that you feel like this is where God and only God resides? Can I tell you that a church building is a wonderful place to gather and worship, but can I tell you it can turn into an idol where if you feel like that you can't meet God unless it's in a building that looks like this, structured like this on this time of day, you might be in danger of idolatry. If you feel like there's a certain piece of architecture or a symbol that must be hung or that must be present in that sanctuary or else you can't experience God, you might be in danger of making an idol out of something like that. You might do it as a person. You might be a certain way of uh, worship style or worship situations that you feel like, you know what, this is what this is what man takes a hold of and says, this is the way that we want to do it, the way we want it to look, the way we want it to sound, and we don't care what God says. That is the definition of idolatry that you have to be so very careful of. It's trying to shrink down to God to what your preferences are rather than what God has said. And with this command that's so unique where it says that if you do, that God is a jealous God, that he's going to visit the iniquity of the fathers and the children of the third and fourth generations. What does that mean? That sounds like the sins of the father, and that sounds quite scary. The Old Testament, especially, you go to books like Ezekiel and whatnot, very, very clear. God's never going to make a child punish for the mistakes of their parents. But do those consequences go down a few generations? Absolutely. And if a child picks up those sinful, idolatrous habits of a parent, does it continue to go to generations? Absolutely it does. But here's the beautiful thing of it, that God says he would show steadfast uh, love to thousands of those who love and keep my commandments. So even if those before you have fallen down in idolatry, you can turn this whole thing around for those behind you. And so what we want to do is we want to say, okay, we want to not only worship the right God, but we want to worship him in the right way. And that's what he's prescribed and not ever trying to shrink down his image, make a painting, uh, a symbol, a building look like him. 
follow the one true God and how he's presented himself. Hope to see you in the second mile.